I wanna start today with a confession. Is that okay? Safe space? Don't tell anyone? So we stream live to YouTube and the entire world. Whatever, we value authenticity around here. And so starting with a confession, I have never preached this passage in Luke 15 before. I've never preached about Jesus leaving the 99 for the one. Because it's always made me feel like a hypocrite. So like, just to be really honest, when I read that story and hear there's 99 sheep and then there's one that's gone astray, my mind immediately goes to 99 out of 100 is pretty good. <laughs> you know, like, hey, when I got a 99% on my math test, I was pumped. There, there's two different types of people in the world. And, and we're gonna get really honest here in church. The first type of person is that you get a 99 on your math test and you go, I can't believe I missed one. Where am I, I can't believe I missed one, people. You're immediately going to that question, yes. Immediately going to that question going, I'm going to prove my teacher wrong. I deserve to have 100%, here we go. And then there's the rest of us. The, I'm just pumped I got 99 right, <laughs> you know? Like I remember anything in the 80s or 90s, I'd be like, I don't need to check what I got wrong. It seems like I'm doing fine. Let's go play some basketball, you know? Now it's funny when we talk about math problems, it's a lot more serious when we start talking about people problems. Like anybody ever felt like your community and social life is you just trying to keep a whole bunch of plates spinning at one time? So you're like, okay, my friend over here, they're struggling right now. I gotta get over there and encourage them and keep that plate spinning as best as I can. Oh wait, but I, now I gave too much attention to them and they feel neglected, so let me check in with them. Let me keep that plate spinning. Oh wait, but this person I had a falling out with and I'm supposed to apologize, so let me get back over there and get that plate spinning. Wait, but I'm his accountability partner. I haven't been checked in, so let me get over there and get that plate spinning. And then you get to the fifth plate and you look over at the first plate and it's wobbling again. And then you read a passage like Luke 15 about leaving the 99 for the one and you go, I don't think I have it in me. You ever felt that way? Like parents, you finally get, get good with one of your kids, but then the other one is, is mad at you for something. You, you finally smooth things over with one of your coworkers and another coworker is mad at you for something. Uh, like you finally make amends with that one person in your family, but then another person in your family is mad at you for taking their side, and so now you have beef with them, and you're like, I'm just doing my best here to keep all these plates spinning. And then you show up to church looking for some encouragement, and some guy in Nike Monarchs says, you gotta reach out to the one, man, you gotta be for the one, and you're just like, I'm just trying my best over here. All that to say, that's why I've never preached from this passage before. This is me, man. And oftentimes feeling like I don't have the relational capacity to be there for everyone. So a few weeks ago, Doug and I um, were, were talking about these few weeks leading up to Easter and we, this, this phrase, for the one, for the one, for the one was on our hearts. But then I went for a walk and I was praying on my walk going, yeah, Jesus, you left the 99 for the one. I don't wanna preach that sermon. I'm not good at this. Like there have been lots of times in my life where I haven't had the energy to do that. 
I'll just, I'll tell Ethan about it. He's better at that kind of stuff, you know? And I'm walking, and uh, by the way, Augustine, or St. Augustine, for the scholars in the room, once said hundreds of years ago, it can be solved by walking. When you don't know what to do, take a walk. Something about walking, just I, God just speaks to me when I'm, when I'm on walks. And by the way, the story I'm about to tell, uh, this wasn't an audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God. This was just uh, in my spirit feeling like I feel like God is speaking to me. I'm on a walk going, God, I don't wanna preach it. I don't wanna preach it. I can't even keep five plates spinning. Why would I talk about keeping 100 plates spinning? And I had a sense in my spirit, like what God was saying is, hey, Ryan, who told you you were the one who was supposed to keep all of the plates spinning? And I go, well, the, the Bible, right? Like the shepherd leaves the 99. I feel like God's going, hey, you're not the shepherd in the story. <laughs> hey, most days you're not even the 99 that are doing what they're supposed to do in the story. You're the lost sheep in the story. And so make no mistake about it, we're about to talk about evangelism, about sharing our faith with people. But you gotta get what I'm about to say. If you don't get this line I'm about to tell you, then your evangelism is going to fast track you to burnout real quick. Here's what you gotta get. This is the starting point for evangelism. You can't be for the one until you realize you are a one. That was like a slow clap in the making. You can't be for the one until you realize that you are a one. When you get it, all of a sudden the pressure is off. All of a sudden you realize, I can just be another imperfect person pursuing this perfect God with everybody else, doing my best to just share what I've learned. I'll say it like this, that you wanna be an evangelist, this has to become your anthem. Thank God I'm not God. Everyone exhale. Thank God I'm not God. Hey, you don't want to be God. You don't want to be the hero of the story. I've tried before. It didn't go well for anybody. Jesus is the hero of the story. Jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one. Our job is to just do our best to imperfectly point people to Jesus. Because Jesus came to show us the way, but he also is the way. And so with that, let's all take a deep breath and realize that there are some people in our lives who could probably uh, use some, some love, some encouragement, some prayer, invitation to church. Like when you take the weight of the world off your shoulders, all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's, there's lots of ones right in front of me all the time. It's just I couldn't see it because I thought I had to, to be the one for everyone. Now, Jesus does that. Now, think in your mind right now about one person who, who uh, maybe is far from God right now that you pray for and that you would love to see enter into a relationship with God. Keep that person on your mind throughout the course of this message. What I wanna do is I wanna give you a very simple formula for the one. Three words that are going to equip you this week to be for the one. This is all found in Matthew chapter nine, moment where Jesus walks into town and it says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the 
good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Uh, there's moments in the Bible where I'm like, Matthew, give us some more. Every kind of disease and illness, like tell us some stories underneath that one. You know, but Jesus just did so much that they couldn't even write it all down. So Jesus is healing everyone who's coming to him. He's helping everyone that's coming to him. And he, would, he enters into this new town and it says this. Yeah, you're good. When he saw the crowds, he had, everyone say compassion. Compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Come back to that word compassion in just a second. I love the, the imagery. Sheep without a shepherd. Like I just picture a bunch of sheep just like bumping into each other. Sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they've lost sight of true north. They've lost sight of where this whole thing is supposed to be heading. And instead it's just like, oh yeah, no, all truth is just relative. If it's true for you, it's true for you. You do you. Right, just not getting anywhere. Just bumping into each other and Jesus walks into that town which by the way looks very familiar. It sounds a lot like Austin in 2023. This is not a new thing. This is how the world has been since Adam and Eve decided to try to be God on their own in the garden. But he walks into that city and he isn't immediately like, are you kidding me? No, instead the Bible says what? He's moved with compassion. And so before we can talk about sharing our faith, before we even get to the sharing, we gotta, start, we gotta start by talking about caring. The prerequisite for evangelism always is care. When you try to share without the care, it just never goes well. Hey, because people don't care how much you know. At least not until they know how much you care. That's why... Conversations on the internet are just the most unfruitful thing in the world. It's just a, a bunch of people sharing without caring about each other, and so it just becomes about who knows more, and nobody's listening to the other person. Jesus walked into a city, and his MO was, no, I care deeply about this place. So let's talk about this word compassion for a second. Compassion starts with the prefix com, C-O-M. That means with. So think like communicate, to, to talk with. Community, to be in unity with. Passion comes from the Latin verb pati, which means to suffer. Side note, side sermon. If you have some, a passion in your life, something you're passionate about, but this week it felt like pushing a rock up a hill, like you're just suffering through it the whole time, yeah, that's the human, that like, like welcome to being human. This is what, when you have a life passion, it just means you're signing up to suffer through it for the rest of your life. And that's a whole other sermon for uh, another day. My point today is to put those two together. Compassion, calm passion, means to suffer with. So, compassion demands proximity. You can't just, just suffer with somebody from afar. That's called sympathy. Compassion is the decision to go, no, we're in this together. This is what Jesus had. 
And if you wanna be good at evangelism, this is what we have to start praying for. God, I wanna care. And get this, compassion, Jesus didn't just have compassion as like an emotional state, he had it as a character trait. I usually just have it as an emotional state every once in a while. But I'm practicing, practicing caring more and more and more, because I want it to become a part of who I am all the time, right? So, so, so compassion is the starting point. You can't share until they know that you care, but I think we need to, to take another step deeper even there, because here's the deal. Compassion does not mean enabling. You get that? Like, if your friend's about to make a big mistake, friend's about to pursue an affair, compassion is not sitting down with them and going, yeah, but you know what? The heart wants what it wants. That's enabling. It's actually very selfish because you're trying to avoid the conflict and you're gonna let your friend walk into something that's gonna cause a lot of suffering for them. But you wanna go, see, but I was the, the good guy the whole way through. Compassion looks like, no, we're suffering together. I'm in this with you, which means I'm going to talk about this with you and I'm gonna call it how I see it because I have compassion with you. Do you see it? Compassion is the prerequisite for evangelism. We have to learn how to care. Here's the prayer. God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? It's a dangerous prayer. Dangerous prayer, but God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? Sometimes when I get nervous to like invite somebody to church, I stop and I pray this prayer because I realize, oh, I actually care about my own reputation right now more than I care about their soul. God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? Teach me how to care deeply for this person. Now here's the good news. When you get the care part down, step two becomes really easy and natural. Let's read what, what Jesus says. It says, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Jesus walked into this town and he came alive. He wasn't looking around like, are you kidding me, again? No, he looked around and he said, the, the harvest is ready. Look at all of this potential in this city. Man, it's time to get to work. It's time to share our faith with our friends. See, because when you get the care part down, opportunities to share just, just happen naturally. So many times in my life, I've, I've tried to do the share without the care. And then you're like sitting there over dinner, like looking for a window and an opportunity to like bring it up, you know? And they're like, oh, Google Maps, such a lifesaver. And I'm like, hey, speaking of lifesaver, <laughs> love to talk to you about Jesus, you know? <laughs> I've noticed that when you just care deeply about people, opportunities arise. See, because every human being wants to wrestle through the deeper things of life, the bigger questions in life, like why am I here and what's my purpose? We want to go there, we just don't know how. And so our role as followers of Jesus is to care about them enough, long enough, to create space where they feel safe to open up and ask questions. And when you do that, 
it, you'll find over and over again that there's gonna be opportunities for you to say things like, hey, listen, I know church may not be your thing, um, but it's been a game changer for me. And I would love to just, I'll pick you up on Sunday. We'll go together. We can sit in the back. If it gets weird, we're out of here. Don't worry. Go to brunch. Talk about it. What do you think? Right? The sharing part becomes easy when, when you've established that relationship. Or, hey, I, I, I'm sorry you're going through that right now. I don't, I don't know if you believe in the power of prayer. I do. And so I just wanna let you know that I'm gonna be praying for you in this season and I'm with you and I'm here for you. Those, that's, planting those seeds becomes really easy once you have the relationship established. Now, I wanna give you the number one tip I've learned about evangelism, and this is so important, you have to write it down. You ready? Evangelize like an adult. <laughs> Let's worship, you know? Here's what I mean. My nephew is four, and he loves two things. He loves Spider-Man, and he loves to wrestle. So when I'm over at his house, most of the time we're chasing each other around and he's shooting me with his webs, right? And then he runs into me. Now, it's my job as the adult to absorb in that moment. Like, what if I just like stiff-armed him? Like, nice try, kid. No, it's my job as the adult to pretend like the spider webs are actually working. And when he runs into me, it's my job to absorb the weight and to push back just enough to make it feel like an interesting wrestling match and ultimately let him win, right? Now, imagine if I ran to Doug and was like, Doug, Will shot me with his spider web. He ran into me. Like my brother would be like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you know, like I need you to get your life together right now or get away from my kid. <clears throat> because one of you needs to be the adult in this scenario, and I was hoping it was gonna be you. The adult's job is to absorb. Now, we need to start evangelizing like an adult. Nuh-uh, the singing's not weird, you're weird. No, Doug doesn't preach too long. Your attention span's just too short. Probably addicted to your phone or whatever, right? <laughs> Absorb. Hey, the singing was really weird for me at first too. I know it's strange. I know it's something different that you're probably not used to. I've also noticed along the way that music is the best art form God's given us to navigate around the watchful dragons that we have in our heart and actually connect with our Father at a place that's deeper than just the mind. feel how much different that is? That's me absorbing their question and their critique, being in it with them, and going, okay, let's talk about it. Hey, Christians today, we're like cheap paper towels. We can't absorb anything. When I was 18 and I moved out of my house, and I was on my own for the first time, I'll never forget buying paper towels. Went to the store, and I'm looking at all like the, the brand names, and then down in this corner is like this one that's 98 cents. And it like doesn't even have a brand on it. It looks like someone just wrote paper towels and Sharpie. And I'm going, paper towels are paper towels. Let's go, 98 cents, I'm in. 
till I spilled my first drink and then put a paper towel down and it didn't do anything. So I had to put another one and another one and another one and another one. What I'm trying to say is being an adult is learning to pay the extra $2 for nice paper towels that actually work. No, being an adult means learning how to actually absorb when people have questions, and critiques, and criticisms, and create space for them. We need to learn how to evangelize like an adult. So there's the care, then, then there's the share, and the final one is this. Jesus says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus goes, look, we're gonna care deeply about them, we're gonna have compassion, then we're gonna share what we've learned. At the end of the day, what do we need to do? We need to just start praying. Care, share, prayer. That's the formula. That's the formula, I, I go through that all the time in my mind. Care, share, prayer. Um, I was sitting down with Eric, who runs our Red Rocks Kids this week, and, and we were talking about how ministry is so hard sometimes, and it feels like the stakes are so high, and we're just doing our best, but we're, we're imperfect, and I'm imperfect, and we're, we're, we're just trying to figure it out, and we're starting to feel like a little stressed out. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, a verse that has meant so much to me over the years. We read it together where Paul says this. Look, I watered the seeds, and, or I planted the seeds, and Apollos watered it. Get this, God has been making it grow. That verse has saved me so much sleep over the years. Look, our job is to do the best we can to plant and water. That's why we care and that's why we share. At the end of the day, man, it's God who gives the growth. Reminds me of, we, we quote C.S. Lewis up here all the time. One of the reasons I've, I've always been drawn to him is because he wasn't always a Christian. He was a skeptic for most of his life. In fact, he once wrote that he feels like the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England, which is a phrase that I just get. But if you know his story, you know that he had people around him who cared about him deeply every step of the way. He had people around him that were always sharing with him. He had people around him who were always praying for him. And slowly, one day after another, eventually God got a hold of his heart and he became one of the most mighty warriors for the kingdom of heaven. Because prayer actually works and caring actually works and sharing actually works. Like, like, like for whatever reason, God's given us permission and invitation to partner with him in the ongoing creation of, of this world. He, he goes, hey, I'll be the shepherd that leaves the 99 for the one. I just need you to do your best to represent me as best as you can. And whenever you fall down, just apologize and get back up and try to keep going. Try to keep being for the one. This is evangelism, and I can tell you that today, not just because I've read about it, but because it's my story. The summer before my, my freshman year of college, I was about to head to the University of Colorado, and I was unsure if I was Christian, Buddhist, atheist, or agnostic. 
Now, when you can't even commit to being agnostic, you know you're searching. And I was working uh, at a pool, I was a life, Doug and I were lifeguards, which lifeguards should probably be in like quotes. We stood up on a stand and told kids not to run. But being a lifeguard in, in the summer in Colorado was great because there would always be an afternoon thunderstorm. So you'd like teach a swim lesson, be up on the stand for a few hours, and then you'd just be back in the clubhouse like hanging out. I remember one afternoon in June, Doug and I are in the clubhouse hanging out and he goes, listen, man, he had been at uh, CU for two years at this point. He goes, hey, when we get to school in August, there's this ministry that meets on Tuesday nights called the Annex, seven o'clock. It's actually a lot of fun. I think we should go. And it was June, so I was like, yeah, sure, put it on the calendar, that's great. But then in July, on another stormy afternoon in Colorado in that clubhouse, he came up to me again and he was like, hey man, we'll get to, to school next month. I know you're excited. Hey, when that Tuesday rolls around, let's go to the annex together. Now, I knew Doug really well, obviously. I knew that he had been to this place like three times in two years. And so I looked at him like, okay, dude, get off your high horse. You've had two years worth of Tuesday nights and you've hit three of them so far, you know? Then August rolls around, hey man, Tuesday night. We get to school that first weekend, first Saturday night, hey man, Tuesday night. Sunday, hey man, Tuesday night. Tuesday morning rolls around, he goes, hey, you still in? By this point, I'm like, I don't know, man. He goes, listen, pick you up. We're gonna go, it's gonna be fine. I told him, man, I don't, I don't think I'm in. And then he goes, well, that's too bad because I'm actually downstairs right now. I'm here, let's go. So I get in his car and we go together and you hear us talk about this night a lot because that night changed the entire trajectory of our lives. For me, it felt like my soul got a taste of home again for the first time in a long time. It's like my soul didn't realize just how tired it was until it got a little taste of that true rest that comes with Jesus. And uh, it's not like it was a U-turn for me, it was more of a roundabout. But over the course of that year, God just got a hold of my life, man. Soon after we became quick friends with this guy named Ethan who was on a very similar journey and the rest has been history for us. It's all because Doug cared enough about me I wouldn't just get in anyone's car. I knew that he cared about me. He just kept sharing. And if we're being honest, we have parents who have never stopped praying for us. Grandparents who have never stopped praying for us. Friends who have never stopped praying for us. And it didn't take long for me to realize, hey, all I wanna do with my life is tell people about Jesus. The news is just so good. So it really does work. So you guys stand with me, we're gonna sing a song and wanna do something a little different today. When we worship, we're always worshiping for a few reasons. Primarily, what it will always be is to give glory to God who deserves all of it. But then there's always like these second level and third level things happening as we sing. It's usually like God's working some stuff out in our own hearts. Today, I don't wanna do any of that. Today, we're gonna shift our focus to the one. And every time you start thinking about your life and your calendar and your schedule and your day, 
I, I want you to pause just for these, this song and go, no, this song is about them. I'm gonna start praying for my one. I'm gonna start praying that God would, would remind my one that they are loved, that they are a child of God, that they're not too far gone, and that Jesus is the good shepherd who will leave the 99 to come track them down. I want you just to start praying that God would show up in their life in a tangible way, and then start praying that God would break your heart for the ways that, that, that he needs to break your heart so that your, your care won't just be an emotional state, but a character trait for them. And, and then just start praying that God would open up a, a window of opportunity for you to share your faith with them. Maybe invite them to the Easter service. And let's just intercede, those who are watching online, ladies at God Behind Bars, let's all just start interceding together for the one. Because there's a story where, where Paul is in the jail cell and he starts singing. And before you know it, it's not just his jail cell that opens, it's every single prisoner's jail cells that start opening up. So I'm believing right now that that's about to happen in this place. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you for the one. We thank you that you are the good shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one. Lord, we thank you that we are just an imperfect one trying to help other imperfect ones see you. And so right now in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would remind us that you are the hero of this story. And now Lord, for our friends, our family members, or our relatives who are far from you, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would intercede in their life. Lord, do a profound thing in their life right now that's so strong that they can't deny your goodness, can't deny your love, and give us the grace and the compassion to be that for them this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.